inviting everyone to show up doesn't mean that that conversation is going to be easy, but it changes the nature of the relationship by being willing to listen and engage respectfully and to see the human dignity that exists in the other individual. Greetings and welcome to the Unleashed Generosity Podcast, exploring the intersection of faith, service, philanthropy, and community. I'm your host, Aaron Scott. You can listen to all past episodes of the Unleashed Generosity Podcast on our website, unleashedgenerosity.org, as well as on any of your favorite podcast streaming platforms. We invite you to connect with us online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for tuning in to this second episode part two of a six-part series discussing values, six values that we're unpacking during season two of the podcast. The first value that was discussed in uh, the second episode of season two was humility. And we're going to touch a little bit more on that, um, circle back to that a little bit, because all of these other five values that we're discussing grow out of humility. Humility is really the soil, the foundation that these others grow out of. Today, we're going to be discussing hospitality. But humility, hospitality, collaboration, respect, intentional engagement, and radical imagination are the six values that we're going to be discussing this, this season. And these are the the values that I'm going to seek to embody in the conversations that I have with guests. These are the values that I believe are essential for us to be striving to embody in our lives, in our organizations, our, our faith congregations, our faith organizations and religious organizations, our nonprofits, even if they're secular. Embodying these values, I believe, positions us to have a healthy culture and to be able to find common ground to work together to create the goodness in the world that we're seeking to bring about. Now, what these values are not are a silver bullet to ensuring that we solve all the world's problems and that we agree about everything. We are still going to have differences of opinion. We're still going to find that we strongly disagree with others. But I believe what we can do is we can find a deeper understanding of what our own values and convictions, our faith convictions, our moral convictions are, and we can find where there are opportunities to collaborate with others. Even if we may disagree about 99 things, maybe we find one area in which we can find common ground. And if nothing else, maybe we can can begin to develop a deeper sense of mutual respect for those that we disagree with, simply by being willing to listen to them and hear their point of view. And so let's back up to humility here, because in the first episode, the values series, we talked about humility, and and I shared with you that um, the foundation, being humble is an acknowledgement that I'm not perfect, and I need to learn and grow, and I need to listen to your experience and perspective. And we are not perfect on our organizations, and we need to listen to the experiences of others. So growing out of that basic posture of humility... Let me talk about postures for a second. If these values, humility, hospitality, collaboration, if these are not silver bullets to solve all the world's problems, what are they? What they are, and what I'd like to suggest to you, is that they are postures or attitudes or dispositions that we can have 
that can serve us well as we engage with others in the world. So today we're going to talk a little bit more about how these values apply specifically in the culture of our organization. If you're not starting with the foundational humble attitude and posture where you're willing to recognize that you don't have all the right answers and you don't have it all figured out and that you need to learn from others, then you're not really going to get anywhere because you don't have any reason to want to try to see anything from any other point of view other than your own. So we need to have that humility, that acknowledgement that we don't have all the answers and that we may have things to learn from others. So then growing out of that is this idea of hospitality. And what I mean by that is that we welcome everyone and anyone to engage and to bring their full selves to the table. If we embody this spirit of openness to where everyone is welcome at the table and the conversation in our organizations, in our relationships within our faith communities, in our communities where we live, people of different faiths, people of the same faith, but different, you know, historic traditions, this posture of humility, and then the attitude of hospitality in which we say, come one, come all, everyone, regardless of who you are, I want to learn from you and you are welcome at this table, changes the dynamic. Now, historically, we've had a lot of boundaries in which that we haven't done well with this. Some of those boundaries have come from moral convictions. If we believe I'm right and you're wrong, this posture, again, is projecting a non-welcoming attitude. And when we position ourselves this way, we set up insiders and outsiders. It's fine to be, feel strongly what you believe, and it's, strong, it's fine to be clear about that. But there also needs to be spaces and times in which we're willing to say, all right, I'm not going to focus on hammering you with all the things I believe again and telling you why my convictions are right and yours are wrong, but, real, but setting those aside to at least be willing to have a conversation about listening to the other person's point of view. So when we position ourselves as listeners, as humble, as open and willing to consider the point of view of others, I think it has the opportunity to break down some of those boundaries, those barriers that we've set up. Another barrier, another boundary has been the result of privilege. Who has access at this and a seat at the table for the conversation and who doesn't? Historically, as we know, there's been socioeconomic status because of your race, because of your gender, because of your sexual orientation. There's all sorts of ways in which marginalized folks have been excluded and have not been invited to show up as their full selves. In a pluralistic society, we're not going to agree about everything. Again, These values, these postures does not mean that all the problems or the tensions are going to go away. But what it does, it it allows us to move beyond some of those disagreements and at least to, to lower the temperature a little bit to say we bring our different moral convictions and values to the table. We don't agree on everything. Fine. We have different faith convictions. Fine. But if we position ourselves as learners and listeners, we can put others first and allow space to to listen to them. 
it's the idea in the Christian tradition of, you know, Jesus's teaching of the golden rule or, you know, what we learned in kindergarten, the idea of, uh, you know, putting others first, treat others the way you want to be treated. Do you want to be listened to? Do you want to make sure that when you show up that people respect you fully and say, come as your full self, then we need to be willing to do that for others. And again, especially for those who have been marginalized. So let me talk about myself as a white, male, Christian, American, relatively wealthy compared to most people in the world, for sure. I have layers and layers of privilege. I need to take a step back and to make room to learn from others. I need to give those who have been voiceless a voice. I need to submit and yield the stage so that they can have a platform so that their views and perspectives and ideas can be heard. I need to yield some of the privilege that I have so that I can position myself as a learner and so that their voice can be amplified and can be a legitimate part of the conversation. One of the most powerful things about the previous episode that I took away from my conversation with Daniel Silliman of Christianity Today, and thank you so much to those of you who have listened to the episode. It's been the most listened to episode of the podcast, and there was so much powerful stuff. Um, And I really appreciated Daniel's vulnerability and sharing about some of his own history of trauma and abuse in growing up um, in his circle of Christianity. And I was especially struck about how, as he was talking about his reporting, talking to victims of sexual and emotional abuse in the RZIM investigative journalism work he's done, I was so struck by the comment about how all the victims to a person told him that they thought that they were the only one. And that silence and that shame that surrounds the silence around the unhealthy things going on in our organizations and the abuse is so stifling and so toxic and so harmful. Just the ability to say, show up as your full self and tell the truth of what's happened. Because to silence people can be so destructive. We need to be able to find ways to create cultures of honesty and accountability in our organizations And if we're not saying to people, show up as your full self, we can't fully do that. We've got to find ways to create cultures of acceptance where we can hear past pain, where we can admit past mistakes, where we can try to figure out how to make it right. That is super hard work. It's vulnerable. It's taxing. It's messy. It's going to mean that we, we're going to find differences and we're not going to agree about the best way to work through all that. And it's going to lead to strained relationships and it's going to lead to uncomfortable things that we have to admit about ourselves and our organizations. And it's going to be super hard work, but it's absolutely necessary. Inviting everyone to come and to hear the stories, especially the marginalized, and not allow them to be silenced anymore is essential. So that hospitality posture, being willing to say everyone is welcome to come as their full selves to the table is so crucial. The next conversation, the next episode, full-length interview that's coming out is with Mitch Stein, the co-founder and CEO of Pond, 
Pond is an amazing organization that's doing some powerful things in the nonprofit sector. And I can't wait for you to hear about how that company is revolutionizing the way that nonprofits and faith organizations and non-faith organizations alike can find the tools that they need and the resources they need to be successful. But what we also talk about in my conversation with Mitch is we talk about how he, as a gay man, how he was harmed by his experience growing up in Christianity. It was humbling for me as a Christian to try, to try, and I don't know how well I did, I hope I did, to try to position myself to listen and receive that story to position myself as a listener and say, Mitch, I want you to feel comfortable to show up as your full self and tell me the things that were harmful for you about your experience in Christianity. Tell me the things that are harmful for you to this day as a gay man in the way that you are treated in the United States and you are treated by people of faith and by religious organizations. I think it's essential that I embody that posture of hospitality in which I invite him to show up as his full self. Inviting everyone to show up doesn't mean that that conversation is going to be easy, but it changes the nature of the relationship by being willing to listen and engage respectfully and to see the human dignity that exists in the other individual. So be on the lookout for that conversation with Mitch. It's got a lot of really important things um, that we discuss. Let me talk about one other aspect of this hospitality value. And it, and it relates to that idea of, again, inviting everyone to show up as their full selves. How do we navigate that in our organizations? How do we do that, not just on a podcast or in a relationship with a community member, somebody like Mitch, who I've gotten to know online? How do you know that's one way of embodying hospitality by willing to be willing to have a conversation and listen to somebody else's story? How do we create these kind of cultures in our organizations? I want to share with you a really powerful quote that I heard on Brene Brown's podcast, the Dare to Lead podcast. And Brene Brown is such a powerful thought leader on not only um, leadership in her Dare to Lead podcast, but also just on the idea of you know, just engaging civilly in the world. Um, her research on shame has been so transformative for me in recognizing some of my own, you know, shame in my own background and how that factors into the way that I navigate the world. And I'm so grateful for the work that she's done. But she had a podcast episode, and it's been a while back, and I'll link to it in the pod, in the, the show notes. But she was, it was on her Dare to Lead podcast, which is available only on Spotify. Um, but I want to read you this quote. She was talking with, and I hope I don't butcher the name, forgive me if I do, but it's Akio Bethea, who is a, a nationally regarded speaker and um, leader who works with organizations about creating diversity, equity, and inclusion in cultures within organizations. So the conversation with Akio was on inclusivity at work, the heart of hard conversations, I believe is the title of the episode. And Brene started by asking her, what's the difference between diversity and inclusion? And here was Akio's response. You can have diversity without inclusion. You can have a collection of a lot of different people but if those people don't feel included, 
you're not going to leverage the power of that diversity. You're just going to have a lot of different people who are in the room or in the company together. Inclusion is actually creating a space and an environment where people can express dissent, where they can bring their ideas to the table. It's not just a matter of feeling welcome, but also valued. What I say matters. The perspective I bring matters. My lived experience matters. That's what diversity and inclusion harnesses when it comes together, when you get innovation, when you get psychological safety. So you can have diversity and not have inclusion, but I don't think you can have inclusion in terms of harnessing outputs without diversity. Such a powerful concept, particularly this line, inclusion is actually creating a space and an environment where people can express dissent. Creating a safe space in our organizations where people who have a dissenting view feel safe to show up and verbalize it. They feel safe to show up as their full self and say, here's my point of view. And this cuts both ways. It's not only for conservatives and it's not only for liberals. It doesn't matter. If you have a dissenting view, let me give you two examples. Roe versus Wade just overturned. Again, having a uh, posture of hospitality, being willing to listen to others who you you may disagree with, isn't going to make the tension go away. All of a sudden, next week, we're not all going to agree about this issue. But for the conservative Catholic who believes in a pro-life position and is relieved and excited that Roe versus Wade has been overturned and is looking forward to the new public policy around abortion in this country. That individual needs to be able to show up with their full self and to be able to respectfully present their point of view and not be canceled or ostracized or demonized. Here we go, stirring the pot. I'm going to say things that you may disagree with and you may say, that's complete BS. You know, I abortion is where I draw the line. I can't believe somebody would hold the opposite view of me, whichever side you're on. Being willing in your organization, in your life, to engage somebody who has a dissenting view and still see them as human, I believe it's transformative. Another example, what about COVID-19? We had conservatives, a lot of them in my part of rural Northeast Tennessee, who were anti-vax. Some of them who worked in healthcare. And we're saying, I should not be required to put something into my body that I feel morally opposed to for whatever reason. I have health complications. and I had cancer or an autoimmune disorder, and I don't feel comfortable putting an experimental drug in my body. And you're telling me that in order to work at this hospital, I have to do it or I'm going to get fired. Showing up with that point of view, even when most Americans say, look, we've got to curb this pandemic. There's plenty of evidence. The vaccine is safe and effective. What does it look like to show up as the person that says, I disagree? And I want to stand up for my conviction that you can't make me put that in my body. 80, 90% of us may disagree with that point of view, but it's important that we create a culture in which the dissenting view can be respectfully engaged with. And it cuts the other way too. Conservatives need to be willing to entertain the views of those that they disagree with respectfully. One of the biggest challenges I see 
in conservative Christian circles is that we hold the power and we hold the cards and we're unwilling to give that up. We're unwilling to entertain ideas that are different from our own. My alma mater, Milligan University, is one of the institutions in this country, conservative Christian institution, that is wrestling with the idea of what do they do with the LGBTQ issue. I believe it's essential, especially for universities that are spaces that are about debating ideas, a marketplace of ideas. That's what universities are supposed to be about. And if we can't on our Christian college campuses, places like Milligan, be willing to have conversations where we respectfully entertain different Christian point of view about the interpretation of scripture, and that some Christians have come to affirming positions and other Christians have not, that's got to be something that we can do civilly. And the idea of people being fired or silenced because of their point of view is downright toxic and harmful. We have to be able to express dissenting views and be willing to receive the dissenting views of others. That doesn't mean the conversations are going to be easy. That doesn't mean we're going to agree at the end of the day. But if we allow silence to rule the day and we don't allow people to show up with those dissenting points of view, we create toxic cultures in our organization. And I believe that that's something that we're seeing can lead to abuse and harm like we saw in in the RZIM organization and like we're seeing with other people in power in organizations, sexually and emotionally abusing people. But it also can, can create cultures in which people are just silenced. And while it might not be as traumatic and as you know dramatic as sexual assault, that's its own form of abuse silencing those that disagree with you and not enabling them to show up as their full selves because they're fearful about losing their job. They're fearful about whatever. All right. So we've unpacked humility and hospitality and we're weighing into some difficult stuff facing us in the world at this time, in our lives, in our organizations in our faith communities, but I believe that having these values, these postures of humility and hospitality have the opportunity to be transformative in our conversations and in the way we engage with others in our lives. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Unleashed Generosity podcast. I invite you to listen to all past episodes of the podcast by going to unleashedgenerosity.org. I invite you, if you find this podcast valuable, to please do a couple simple things for me. Would you take a minute to go to Apple Podcasts and do a rating or review? That would be super helpful. I've set up a Patreon to try to help offset some of the costs that I've incurred in doing the podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast and you um, are able to contribute for $3 a month, um, you're going to get multiple episodes. You're going to get a weekly episode like everybody else does, but you're going to also get access to some bonus content. You're going to get access to early episodes. And so Daniel's conversation was a great example of, we talked for over two hours 
And then as I trimmed things down, I got our conversation that the podcast that aired the episode was down to an hour and five minutes, but there's a whole bonus episode that I created of an additional 30 minutes of conversation between Daniel and I. And that's the type of bonus content that's going to be available for Patreon subscribers who can pitch in just a little bit uh, to help offset some of the costs for me. So if you're passionate about these kinds of conversations, if you believe these kinds of conversations need to be taking place in the nonprofit sector in faith organizations, contribute um, just a few dollars a month. Be on the lookout this week for a free bonus episode, but moving forward, bonus episodes are going to be available for folks for as little as $3 a month. Thanks so much for being here, being a part of this conversation. Thanks so much for giving me the opportunity to share some of my views with you. I would love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts about future guests and topics that you be, you feel are important for us to be discussing. And until next time, unleash your own generosity. No hope.